This is the Shep Show. 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 I feel really good now. Three. Keep drinking that honey juice. Whatever you do, you have one thing that's unique. You have the ability to make up. And when things get tough, this is what you should do. Microphone check. One, two, one, two. Microphone check. One, two, one, two. I hope they get it. I'm sick of explaining history. I'm rolling with a circle of winners. We claim the victories. Yeah, come on. It's about to be the realest shit you ever heard. In a transitional world, okay. Yeah, it's just basically going for it. You know, and sometimes you don't think about getting hurt or slamming, but you know, it, it happens. It's skateboarding. It's you know, it happens game, every day. Yep. People are worried about skateboarding and the state of the industry. Yeah. The truth is, we are the industry. Yeah. Skateboarders are the industry. Experience, I guess, just because there's like, I've never seen like that many skaters in one place. Just like, it's like we it's take like over the street. What's up, everybody out there in computer internet land? We're back. And today I got my brother Sammy Shetler on the show. I'm super excited. He's over in Australia on the other side of the world. Um, what day did you say it is there? Uh, it's a good day. Tuesday. <laughs> oh, you didn't say any day. Now you did. Tuesday. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's Monday here. Tuesday, what time there? Uh, 10 a.m. There's uh, a nice breeze and uh, some rain. We really appreciate the rain here. It's very dry. That's awesome. So are you technically in the future? Only about 60 and a half hours in the future, so not that significant. Well, what's going on now? Should Anything I should worry about? Terminators? Anything? Um, rain. There might be some rain heading your way. I'm really scared of rain, so that helps. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> You're welcome. So I was reading an interesting fact um, on the computer in this magical box. They were saying you guys are putting mittens on koala bears? Yeah, that's that's a fact. I, I really can't get around that one. Um, <laughs> we've had some nasty bushfires come through South Australia where I'm at, and um, for some reason these koala bears just fall out of the trees and they get really hot and... Um, they drink, like, a gazillion liters of water afterwards, and then people put mittens on them because their hands are burnt. What? That's crazy. How do you get close enough to a koala? I heard those things are vicious to put mittens on them. Well, there's two types of koalas, if we want to get into that. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Are you a One professional... Type of koala you might... Are you a professional koalaologist? Well, some some people call me a koala koalaologist. Um, <laughs> you put koalas on walls, but I don't I don't particularly like that title. Anywho, uh, there's the koala that you can hold in the zoo, um, which you know you can cuddle, you feel its strength, its claws, and you go, boy, this thing could rip my head off seriously. Then there's the other type of koala, and that one just falls right out of the tree and rips your head off. It's called a drop bear. Um, it's quite nefarious. Um, unfortunately, they don't put the mittens on the drop bears because you would be dead, um, and there would be no mittens left to keep them, and you. Are they dro- they're called drop bears because they drop out of trees and they're little bears that can maul you? Is that correct? Pretty much. I mean, when I first uh, met an Australian, not my wife, um, they told me all about the drop bears, and then I met my wife, and she told me they were completely made up, and I was very angered because I believed this. <laughs> it's raining drop bears out today. That's what I need to worry about in the future. God. Indeed. <laughs> so... I mean, let, tell the people how you ended up in Australia. Let's go back to the beginning. How do you end up... You, you were living in the United States. Start from there. You're living in Massachusetts. Go. I was living with this guy. He um, he lived like a homeless man. He didn't, he didn't really put his stuff in one place. He kind of urinated to show dominance around the apartment. 
He was my brother, you could say. Um, <laughs> no, no, Anthony's room was very tidy. We no, lived together. You're lying. My, uh, my clothes were in boxes the whole time. I think I lived on a mattress <laughs> on the floor. Pretty sure I lived like a homeless man, and I'm pretty sure I did urinate after a few beers sometimes in the corners. Okay, that may be true. <laughs> All right, but anyway, I was living with you. I figured I'd divulge a few things to the audience. In Fall um, River, correct? That's right, Fall River. Um, and then I had a chance to go to Florida to go do an internship at Walt Disney World. Hell yeah. And I also got another chance, um, through some contacts I know, you know, maybe Anthony Shatler to go work at Woodward for the summer. Hell yeah. Probably Tim Rio too, right? Yeah, Tim Rio. He's the man. So I went there for a few weeks, taught Woodward, and then went to Disney World for my internship, and, and that's where I met my wife. Would you consider her a drop bear? Hmm. That's really a hard one. Did she just fall out of a tree, maul you, and you're like, I'm marrying her? No, so I guess not. I guess <laughs> not. But I had to think about it. That's what's important. <laughs> awesome. So you met your wife in Florida, and then you just decided, fuck it. I'm going, to Dis- I'm going from Disney to Australia. Not quite. It's a little more complex than that. She had a boyfriend at the time. Oh, man. <laughs> and, um... We met, we spent um, a week together just as friends, um, and then I had a mo- mosey on. I was going to go back to Arizona, place of my birth. Only one in the family to be born in Arizona, as you know. Yeah. So I figured, why not just keep going west, you know? Uh, the expansion, you know? It worked for the first time, Manifest Destiny, right? We only had to wipe out a couple million Indians. <laughs> so I think that a try again. Um, <laughs> Headed down there, and uh, I figured I would hang out. Um, and then I was like, snap, I'll just finish university here. So that's what I decided to do. And then Lisa, she went on a tour of the United States with her boyfriend, who flew from Australia to here. Um, they went on vacation, and then he proposed to her, and she said yes. So then she was engaged. She was engaged. What? I didn't know any of this. Yep. <laughs> so then... Um, you broke up a happy marriage, you son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, yeah. It wouldn't be the first... Okay, it was the first time. But, um... Yeah, anywho. Anywho, anywho one day I ended up getting a call from her. And she's just chatting to me. And she's like, hey, I'm in Arizona. And I'm like, wait a second, I'm in Arizona. What are you doing here? Um, I was supposed to head back to Massachusetts. She had no clue that I was there. Um, so we ended up meeting up. We went to the Renaissance Festival, which is super epic. And I gave her a ride to the, back to the airport. Um, I told her the whole story of the of the Princess Bride, the most epic movie and uh, book, uh, which actually we were reading for a bedtime story last night. Awesome. Uh, and then I we got to the airport. I kissed her, put her on a plane back to Australia. Where where was her man? I think you glossed over that. Did you kiss him too, or was he just hanging out? <laughs> oh yeah, forgot about that guy. <laughs> Anywho, she um, had a bit of an epiphany that he was a, pretty much an asshole. Um, every her friends and family had the had the cue long before her. Oh, but, um, always works out that way. It turned out um, a good couple months good three or four months away from the dude in Florida uh, gave us some psychic distance to realize that the dude was a complete 
Exactly. Nailed it. So she, you send her back to Australia, and yeah. I'm guessing that uh, you just were like, plan on going to visit, or how do you just go and move there? You're just like, up. You, had you ever been out of the country before this? No, not at all. I haven't been to Mexico. I didn't drink no no tequila. I didn't even make it to Canada. I didn't ride any moose mooses. Oh, you don't moose. say, eh? Eh? <laughs> I did have maple syrup once. The real stuff, which is really awful. I mean, where is all the synthetic sugary goodness? I'm missing it. It's true. Do you have oh, it my in Vermont? Vermont. Oh. Um. Anywho, how did I get to Australia? It wasn't a straight line, so. <laughs> I decided I really wanted to go to Nepal for no particular reason other than to get out of the United States and see um, poverty and all its awfulness because we kind of live in a bubble in the United States. So I kind of randomly picked Nepal, which is home of Mount Everest, the tallest mountain in the world. And uh, Lisa and I were talking a lot online, and um, she asked if she could come along. So we went and worked in children's homes in Nepal for about three months. And then I was like, well, I booked a one-way ticket here. I don't really have to go back. So I flew on to Australia afterwards. So, like, I mean, I know the story briefly, although when you're telling it, these details are popping back up again. Uh, The ones I don't know about, you know, like Lisa having a man that was, they're engaged. That was a nice little surprise. surprise. But, um, I mean, a lot of the people that listen to my story kind of know about our family background. So... Mm. With it, you don't have to really go into that so much, but what made you want to go to Nepal and see that poverty and, like, I mean, for the average person, I, I don't know. That seems a little wild, you know? Yeah, most people go to Nepal to go trekking on Mount Everest or to go bungee jumping for $30 or, I don't know, get um dumplings for 8 rupees, which is, like, 50 cents. Yeah, I mean, you stay in hotels and there's just... Mountains of marijuana everywhere, and what's not to like? It was it was pretty much hippie paradise in the seventies. Um, <laughs> Nepal opened its borders; it was closed for like a couple hundred years, and then it finally opened its borders, and just the hippies fled the huge tourism industry. Um, but the reason I went I went there was you know because I really wanted to, to see what was outside the United States, but not um, places that imitate the United States like Australia. So I actually feel very at home in Australia in the sense that it's very Western, um, Western white as fuck, wealthy, you know, the Privilege. most obese. Australia is actually more obese than the United States now. So we have a mentally insane leader, um, Tony Abbott. He's basically George Bush. So, yeah, it's a very, very at home place. But uh, connecting it to my background uh, of why I wanted to go, that's a hard thing to do. Um I suppose it has to do with coming from that working class background and um, realizing that you're at the bottom of the spectrum. And I think to give myself some sort of um, bearing where I was placed, I wanted to see what was even below, you know, the working class in the United States. What was below that? Who's the working class of the world, you know? Yeah, that's pretty amazing. So you chose Nepal because you've just heard the stories, the I'm guessing the horrific stories of uh, certain people's life there? Um, This is kind of before I was really educated about history or even geography of the world. The United States educational system, the high school education system, is, is quite deplete. We're very inward looking at the United States. So I was very unknowledgeable. So I almost picked at random off of a... Uh, a they call it a global volunteer network out of New Zealand 
of the countries that you could volunteer in. I almost picked at random. Wow, that's crazy, man. So when you got there, um, I, I you kind of knew you were going into something that was like um, crazy. I'm, I'm assuming like a you, you kind of anticipated the the poverty and stuff like that. So what? How did it? When you got there, did it did it uh, meet your expectations of what you imagined? Or I don't think you can. It's really hard to imagine. But as soon as I got off the plane, you just get off the plane. You're not getting off into an airport. Um, you walk into the airport and it's just. It looks like a rundown Motel 6. You walk out of the airport, you get in this taxi, and this taxi is going just like unbelievable speed down these narrow roads where it's all dusty and there's just cows walking across the street and you're just swerving back and forth and you stop at the first stoplight and there's just a little girl with no shoes on, you know, selling newspapers for like nothing and yeah, the shit's pretty unbelievable. Is would you how would you compare it to like for so for people in America like have you ever seen this level of like poverty or stuff in the United States? Could you compare it to like a ghetto in the US? Like I imagine Detroit is pretty desolate at the moment. I don't know. Have you had you ever seen anything on that level before that? I think maybe, I don't know. Maybe it would be a little bit less of a shock, you know? Having you know, seen projects in the United States has quite a lot of homelessness, but it's on a different level. It's really it's really hard to compare. Yeah, I I'm like, I'm I'm a big believer in that in America it's like it's not so much that we don't have enough, it's that we have a lot of mental disease from, like, our uh, culture and the way our society, like, molds our brains and makes us think. Like, we have a lot of, like, um, mental disease that causes us to live unhealthy and, and causes us to perpetuate all these crazy situations, whereas in other countries, they just don't have anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we have enough, but we just have mental disease, I feel. Yeah, I mean, I guess the important part to realize is, um, like, you have to compare yourself with your peers, you know? It's called the the OECD countries, the developed countries, just on so many different levels of, you know, healthcare and inequality. Like, healthcare, we're, like, way down, like, 46 or something, and inequality, we're number one. So, you know, we're, we're basically giving um, psychopaths all the advantages, and we're pretty much killing our working class off just by not giving them what are human rights, essentially, which is things like healthcare and housing. Yeah, and, and that that's kind of that's kind of exactly what I was saying. Is like the way our society in the United States is uh, kind of uh, what it's focused on is not it's not on our best interests. It doesn't they don't give a fuck about our well being and our happiness and our goals and they don't care about raising up healthy happy people that you know that that live well you know they just we do like you said no health care and they just kind of put liquor stores and all the prescription drugs already available it's like a big money grab in america it's like if you're corrupt enough and can hurt enough people but you have a good work ethic you could just destroy everything you know where i i notice in other countries as i travel they actually have free health care and in college or, or universities paid for and like they care about the well-being like humans are the commodity or they should be we should be the currency we should be valued as much as money and it seems like like you're saying in america they don't really do that so much is in you're saying the same in australia yeah george bush the, the australian george bush is running wild out there he certainly is <laughs> and it's, it's happening it's the same thing that's happening in canada right now so that's very unfortunate. They both basically, they're both basically climate deniers. 
which is going to bring us all down. Um, but it's making Obama look good at the moment, even though Obama might as well be a climate denier himself. But he doesn't say that in words, I suppose. Yeah, he's definitely not direct. He, he ran on a campaign about change and hope, and then he kind of just did the same shit as every other president. So obviously he's not going to just say it, you know. Well, sorry for that. <laughs> but I, I know we have these talks all the time, and I think it's kind of cool to talk about it with you. And you're probably the only person I really talk about this stuff with on this level, and I feel comfortable doing it, man. So what were you, yeah. let's backtrack let's, a little bit. We can get back into it, but what's your schooling? What did you go to school for? Let the people know, like, what your education is up to this point. So I have a associates in business management. So I did that because I wanted to open up a skate shop. And then I went on and I did a bachelor's in sociology, which is the study of basically society's structures and how people relate to one another within those structures. So what, and then I went, what are some of the extra... Uh, um, structures in society like some examples so people know oh just the basic things you know like having a healthcare system or having an education system or you know having uh, a government that could be democratic could be socialist could be whatever so those sorts of things okay or prison system it goes on and on which we could get into the prison system in the in america i imagine it i wonder what it is in australia but in america it's just a crazy it's it's a profit making trap <laughs> it's crazy it's the largest prison um population in the world i think it's close to two million now which is i mean of course in proportion there's 300 there's about 310 million people in, in the united states but it's still the largest prison population in the world and predominantly people of of color yeah it seems like they set it up to make profit off of people of color like Half the the majority of people in there are from like minor drug offenses, which, you know, yeah. seems like that's connected with why they won't legalize drugs. You know, they just because it's making money for the system, the the prison system. Indeed, and we've seen that very clearly in, in New York recently. Um, when the NYPD protested, um, the mayor, um, basically they did what is called a um a work slowdown, um. Where it's not that you stop doing your job, but you stop doing all those things that you're expected to do beyond what your role actually is. Um, so what they did was they slowed down and they didn't arrest people for things that they don't have to arrest people for. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you know? Crime dropped by like 90%. Um, because essentially they were trying to uh, fill the budget. So yeah, a lot of arrests are to make money, le legitly. Like, yeah, they have quotas, well, and they have to give out tickets, and they, it's definitely a, it's a business. Yeah, so that's the way that the police union thought they could uh, hurt the mayor for making some remarks um, about, um, you know, the, the case of Eric Garner and Trayvon Martin and how maybe the police aren't doing the right thing. It's crazy. I, I listen to uh, the Joe Rogan podcast, and he always says on his show, he's like, imagine if just for like three three months or something like that, if there was no crime. If everyone just decided to have no crime. Like everyone just like, just like what would happen to the, the police, all the police and all that? Like, what would they do? Would they start creating crime? Like what, like if there yeah. was, you know what I mean? Like if everyone just decided, okay, like. 
they'd be out of a job, you know? Yeah, indeed. I mean, it's the same logic as um, what, you know, like the founding fathers of the United States or, you know, the good homie back in Massachusetts, Henry David Thoreau. He was um, a pretty awesome dude. They called him a nonconformist in literature class when I was in high school. And I was always like, why are you calling him a nonconformist? He's saying good stuff. <laughs> but anyway, they were the founding fathers and Henry David Thoreau from where we're from. They were both saying that there's a big problem with the standing army. Um, and that's the same thing with the standing police force is that if you've got these guys well resourced and just hanging around, but there's not a problem. Well, you know, that's a significant um, organized body, which can then essentially lobby for its interests, which will be to get more resources, whether they be weapons or whatnot. And they create wars and they create more crime. What, um, uh, sorry to change the subject a little bit, but, um, <laughs> do you know anything about the marijuana laws in, in Australia? I don't, like, uh, I only ask because, like, you know about America and what's going on with some states legalizing it and the, and the feds not being into it and trying to resist. What's going on in Australia? Um, I don't know too much, but from what I've heard from, a few friends. Um, it's not um, like we don't have as many arrests for uh, those types of petty crimes, and you know some some states allow people to grow one or two plants in their backyard, um, and yeah, that's about all I know. How, how do you feel about like? Because I know like Portugal, I believe, like legalize uh, all drugs, like just. It's not a crime, I guess. Um, how do you feel about that approach? Like, Yeah, I believe... Um, oh, I forget. I want to say Colombia, but that's probably not right. A country in South America has done the same thing. Yeah, I, I think that... Um, I, only, I only ask because of our, our family background and just knowing how close drugs affected our lives and has formed our thoughts and just the the relevance it has had in both our lives like how do you feel about drug laws and people getting arrested and like what do you think yeah i mean it's the same i i think about you know like they're not the same thing but like like prostitution for example um like i don't think that it should be a crime and i think that people who are using um drugs or are needing to earn an income through prostitution they are being let down by, you know, our economy and by um, basically our our ways of helping people that we have available. So um, it's not so much the fault of the individual who's doing the drug. Um, it's the fault of that we're not um, taking care of people good enough. The welfare of the people, yeah. I, I agree with that as well. I, I, I think, like... Um a lot of people are just trying to self-medicate. Like like I said before, especially in America, it's like we have so many mental disorders because the standard here was like American excellence. And you had to like, if you weren't make, everyone believes they're going to make a million dollars in America. You know what I mean? And how many people actually do? So all these kids grow up being told they could do whatever you want, which is not which is not a lie. But they they uh, perpetuate it as like you can do anything, you can be anything, and they never mention that there's going to be people that fail. You know what I mean? So everyone grows up with these high hopes, and then you're then the ads and everything because since it's a money grab, our media and all our um, advertisements is 
you know, beautiful women and drug, alcohol and all this, like, rappers with all this bling and just, like, the, it perpetuates this, like, if you're not first, you're last mentality type thing, you know what I mean? And And I feel like a lot of people feel like they're losers and feel like they haven't lived up to this American dream and then they self-medicate, whether it be with legal prescri- prescription drugs or whether they have, you know, they just, you know, the dysfunction of family in America, then it leads to alcoholism and other harder drugs and whatnot. Um, I, I agree with you is what I'm saying is that I feel like the drugs should be legal, um, but they should focus more on just trying to help people become happy. You know what I mean? Live fruitful lives. And they don't, they don't, they don't even try with, they don't even try to give us health care. They make us work so hard. We have to work so hard just to barely scrape by, and I'm I'm speaking for the 99 percent. You know what I mean? Like it is not, as you are. I guess the disparity between the 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 people that have and the people that have not is just growing bigger, right? Yeah, most certainly. I mean, the there's a, a recent uh, analysis which is phenomenal by this guy named Thomas Piketty. He actually went and analyzed data from the IRS going back to the 1800s. Um, basically, which accounted for people's wealth. And um, the inequality that he's seen in the period of 1930 is essentially the, the inequality that has returned today. And um, that was the de- When was the Depression? Was that that era? That's right, during the de- Depression. And so, basically, if things keep going as they go, as they're going right now, um, yeah, the inequality will only will only continue. And that's that's basically a solid a solid analysis that um across like the spectrum of economists has been accepted. So that's some pretty legit stuff. Um what um I'm sorry, what's what's the silver lining? What what in what and when you hear that it's it's hard not to like swallow and feel that little pit in your stomach, you know what I mean? Because that's a reality, you know. So what's the silver yeah. lining? What gives you hope? What 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 uh what where do you see the the silver lining? Where's the light at the end of the, end of the tunnel? Yeah, I mean the light the light is not at the end of the tunnel. It's it's uh, with us every day. I mean, like I I often have to like you know smack myself or like pinch myself or you know put cold water in my face just to to you know realize that you know i am in the matrix you know <laughs> absolutely there's so much beauty all around me every day that it's really hard to believe that you know things like climate change are happening or the inequality that we're talking about or you know that um you know like 20,000 people were just murdered in in africa the other day by by christians um the boko haram uh, most people don't know about that so it's really it's really hard to get to get the reality around your head because there's so much beauty. I mean, I'm looking outside right now at some some gray and pink birds, which when I first came here, I was like, "What are these things? Are these like your pigeons, but they're immaculately awesome looking?" Um, of course, you know, uh, like I've moved up to more of a, you know, a more of a privileged uh, uh, position, you know, having more education and being able to get a more uh, middle-class job teaching and whatnot. 
that it's you know I can I can have I've got a little more time to to look at the beautiful things. Um, but yeah, the, the the point is still there is that everything seems very normal and that you know there's beautiful people um, around. So I don't know. I think that's that's uh, always a silver lining is is that and the fact that. Um, is that I've seen, I've read and, and, and seen everyday people make very big differences. And um, I think that comes from a more true telling of history. Oftentimes in history, we're told that, you know, these great people like Martin Luther King or Mahatma Gandhi or whoever it may be um, have led these giant movements and they have won us these games today, whether or not be civil rights or or whatever. But in truth, that's just, that's not very accurate at all. They would be nothing without, you know, the hundreds of thousands of people, you know, who were, who were beaten and killed um, to make those people be able to have a voice. So, uh, yeah, everyday people can organize and get together to change society for the better. I mean, look at the huge gains um, for women and, and people of color that we have today. Even though things are still still bad, there has been a huge advance since the 70s. And I mean, take, um, for example, the Iraq, uh, Afghanistan, the Iraq war, like all the way throughout history. We've never had protests of over a million people um, against a war before the war had ever started. Yeah. Of course, it didn't stop the war. But that is a huge advance um, in uh, in people power, um, being able to make a huge difference. And, um, you know, it's quite possible that those um, protests have saved, you know, millions of millions of lives. And um, that's because, I mean, even though you're like I was like we started off our conversation, the working class in a Western country essentially are the small difference that we make here can save, you know, 10 lives in another country. Yeah, I mean, if Walmart decided, okay, we're not going to do this cheap labor, child labor, and we're going to, you know, hundreds of thousands of kids are going to save, like, have their fingers still, and, you know, they might not have jobs, maybe. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like one of those double-edged swords. I kind of realize that we have privilege that we can use. Um, yeah. Say it again? I said the silver lining is that we can work together, but we can also use the privilege, even if it's a small amount, we can use that to our advantage. Yeah, I guess this kind of leads into what I wanted to ask you about, too, is technology. Like, it, as you know, we're we're Skyping right now. You're in Australia, and I'm here, and it's free. And you know I love social media. I mean, you've seen what I've done with All I Need, and, and I've done it all through, without without paying for advertising, just through connecting the dots through social media and and uh being able to reach the masses you know um i i mm. you feel like technology plays a big role in what's going on as far as as far as things improving or or what's your take on the technology and what's going on with everything yeah technology is essentially um a tool you know we can use it to our advantage but so can those who have power I mean, that's the same with advertising back in the day. It was like, well, I guess before it was way more one-sided because they controlled the adver- they controlled the media. You know, like nowadays it's like you could start a podcast and reach a million people if, if people are relatable to you. You know what I mean? Whereas before, as a single person, you couldn't, you couldn't relate to people. Like now I feel like with the technology and everything, people can empathize more with 
people in Nepal because they see it on their they see it and they hear the stories like I listen to podcasts all day long and I hear stories from people all over the world and it's like you get to know like oh these people bleed like me they feel like me they like jokes like me they shit like me <laughs> you know what I mean so it's like I feel like the the fact that we have this technology and we can connect the whole world even though that's scary to people like one world or whatever but it's like I feel like it's our nervous systems growing and if we and we the small people the people you're talking about if we live righteous and we can share and connect with each other all over the world that's bigger than any government one government you know what I mean we are the ants and if the ants mobilize against the queen ants to me <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Just having been involved with a lot of um, social movements um, here in Australia, a, lo- a lot of people who are who are actively doing, you know, the organizing to, you know, stop, you know, greater monitoring of the internet or, you know, anything like deaths and custody of Aboriginal people here, um, whatever it may be, a, a lot of people are realizing that. Um, Social media is a pretty limited tool. It's a fantastic, it's a fantastic aid to what we're doing. Like, you can't do you. You would be ill-advised to do without it. I guess that's the thing. But at the same time, the majority of I guess the cohesiveness of a movement and people um, comes through that interaction face to face, and um, you know a phone call where you hear someone's voice and. You can talk to them directly um, is actually more effective on the day of, like, say, getting someone out to a rally than um, having a Facebook event. Of course, you'd want the Facebook event because people will have that. It's all about the way I usually call it is like access points. You know what I mean? Like the more access points you have, the better odds you 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 um, you have of getting things done. But um, I mean, you're right. But at the same time, like me knowing about Nepal comes from, you know, a huge movement that started uh, in about the 80s to uh, have international solidarity. You know, after Vietnam, people realized they couldn't really make much of a difference or connect with the people in Vietnam because, yeah, there just weren't those existing relationships and networks already constructed. So from that, there was a big push, you know, to connect with the rest of the world where people were being severely squashed by dictatorships and and so on. Um, so those networks are really important. And, of course, the Internet aids all of this and makes it cheaper, uh, quicker, uh, and all that. Yeah. The way, the way I'm looking at it right now is, like, since I have a podcast and I skateboard and I have an audience of skate shop owners and skateboarders and people across the... They're only going to hear you. There's no video, so... You look beautiful. It's just audio, just so you know. But uh, since I have this audience, and uh, I mean, I, I reach hundreds of skate shops across the globe, and I reach tons of kids. I get messages all day long. Like, I all I do is listen to your podcast while I'm doing my homework, or I'm driving across the country, or whatever. So I think the beauty in technology is that they can listen to someone like you that realize that you have the opportunity to reach people masses with your words and with your heart and your feeling and like us having this conversation right now is going to go to a bunch of kids and people not just kids but people that might not think of this because they live in you know a westernized country or whatever but these ideas and thoughts can change minds you know and can uh 
open up different doors to people that, you know, through a podcast, just through us having this conversation, like, I think that makes almost, it makes change, you know, and I feel like uh, technology, it's not like, you can, you can make immediate change, but I think change has to come slowly and natural, natural to people, like, people don't like change, they resist change, people, like, they, they, but I think through conversations, like, what we're having, basically what I'm saying is, like, much like a good book or a great movie or a great lecture, it's so important that we share our knowledge. Otherwise, it's just in your head, you know? Like, So yeah. I think the technology nowadays is we can spread ideas way faster. And if you can build up uh, networks and uh, platforms like a podcast or a skateboard brand or some sort of movement where people, you know, you're creating art, but you're also communicating with each other about important ideals I feel like change will happen subtly and on and more organic that way. Like I, I agree with protests. Like when we need them, we definitely need all that stuff. Like there's times where you have to take action and all that. But I feel like it's our duty to like to be the leaders. Like Sam, you're going. You went through the schooling. You've traveled the world. Like like you said, you came from privilege. So I think it's your duty to share your information and knowledge on a regular, you know, and build up your networks and. I think with technology, not just you, but and I, I'm not just putting it on you. I just mean the individual. If you have something to share, I think you should build a network with using our tools of today and spread it virally, like virus, slow and steady, build it up. That's what I've been trying to do with the whole podcast and Instagram and putting a message and everything and just trying to communicate because you can reach masses now and you can really change hearts and thoughts and you can have full-on conversations where you could – People can become enlightened about stuff they didn't know about, or they can enlighten me. You know what I mean? Half the time, people tell me stuff I like go away thinking about forever. So in that sense, that's what I'm kind of talking about with the social media and technology. You know, it's good to mm. gather a group, but I feel like um, someone like you, you should do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I could help promote it too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, part of the problem, I, I, you know, I. I teach at, in a high school, and, and part of the problem is that we teach people that, well, the school teaches people that truth comes from authority, and um, what that does is that destroys people's voices. So, I mean, by any means um, that you can, it's important to be able to develop your own voice and to be able to have conversations, you know? Be able to have your ideas bounce off someone else's mind and get feedback, essentially, because that's real education right there. Yeah. Education has nothing to do with teachers or schools. It has to do with you finding your voice, whether that be through a podcast or through you just chatting with a friend that you're passionate about something. You need to find that voice. You need to be passionate about something, whatever your interest may be, and that will lead you through life. The rest of it is malarkey. I love that word, malarkey. I'll say it again. <laughs> malarkey, I say. Yeah, so if you can if you can do that, it's really hard though, because everything around you teaches you that whatever whatever authority it may be, whether it be a teacher or whether it be Anthony Shatley, just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, you gotta find your voice, it's essential. Yeah, I agree I completely agree, man. I just think I just honestly feel like the more we share with the people around us and anyone who's willing to listen that admires you or or just wants to check it out like the more i think we need more leaders is all i'm saying like 
I see too many people that just kind of get pulled in different directions and life takes over and then they become um, lethargic and stuck in a rut and working jobs and they don't even have a chance to have conversations anymore. They don't have a chance to sweat, to feel their heart beating. Like, I just feel like we need to communicate more, whether it's using technology or just going to the skate park and sweating and laughing and meeting people. Like, I feel like um, the more we communicate, the faster we'll change. Because right now, it's like, I think it's just important for the person that's growing and learning to understand that they're in a position to share that and be a leader. Because not a lot of people want to step up. There's tons of people that grow up and live fruitful lives and become adults and leaders, but they never share it except for with their small community. So I feel like, I don't know, I feel like we need more leaders to step up and voice themselves and not be afraid to like make mistakes and share it with as many people as possible. And then you kind of can like get inspired and follow that. And then the more of us that do a, do that, the you know, then the load gets um, not as heavy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I always tell people around me, I'm like, if you work hard and I work hard, then I don't have to carry your load and you don't have to carry my load and we're going in the same direction and we're working together. And then that means that the more people around us doing that, the the faster we can have change, you know? And if we can all communicate, then we can grow up faster. Like how many stories and lessons and values have you got from books and, and movies and good conversations? Like, so the more more of that we have the faster it spreads and the more young ones can pick that up chew on it and and mature faster and start thinking their own ideas and developing them and like i don't know that's why i'm i'm huge on the whole podcast and in uh net and just connecting and building networks because i think it helps uh tremendously and sorry for ranting again (laughs) (laughs) Um, a little off the subject uh tell us about your pet got willow he's pretty epic she is um, a mini lop, so a bunny. She thrashes it. You know, she's got her hay bale. She's got her own room. She does these crazy binkies, which is she hops up into the air sideways while going, like, 40 miles an hour. <laughs> Maybe not that fast, but, uh, yeah, she kills it. Is she uh, only inside, or do you take her outside? She's only inside. Would she run and, away? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But, um... <laughs> In Australia, we have a really big problem with feral animals, especially cats and rabbits, and um, they destroy a lot of our our native um, plants and animals. So, another weird question. Have you seen Mm -hmm. any car accidents due to kangaroos? I haven't seen any car accidents, but I've seen quite a few dead kangaroos. Oh, sketchy. Just like on the side of the road? Just on the side of the road. You ever just get out, cut a piece of meat off, take it home, grill it up? Don't lie. No, but you can't do that if you want. <laughs> it's like in Massachusetts, you know, if you hit a deer, you can bring it home. Have you have you met any uh, stereotypical, pretty crazy Australian people? Like what we what have you? All right, so what I'm asking is, have you met any crocodile Dundies? No, 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 not at all actually. <laughs> have you been to the outback? I have. I um steakhouse. Let me finish. It's delicious. You should go there sometime. Uh- I, ha- I have been there, yes. No, I'm just kidding. Have you been to the Outback? I really like TGI Fridays, too, if that's what you're getting at. <laughs> yeah, I've been to the Outback. I, when I first came here, I worked in conservation for about half a year, and um, I got to see a lot of um, the Outback. It was amazing. Yeah, it seems like it would be amazing. I, I, w- I went to a zoo when I was in Australia, and that was pretty cool. I can't imagine going out to the Outback and seeing some of the animals like just roaming. 
Mm. What was your experience uh, being in Australia? It was amazing. It was like um, some of the cities we went to, it was just like, seemed like they were college cities and people were just getting drunk and having a good time and going to school and everyone was friendly, um, very westernized, beautiful skate spots. Yeah, I didn't, it was amazing. It was, uh, it was when I wrote for New York. We just, I think we came for two weeks or a month and just skated the whole time. And I know we went to Adelaide, Melbourne. I know we went to more cities, but I don't remember. I was getting drunk and skateboarding. <laughs> I just laughed because a lot of Americans get made fun of for saying Melbourne. Melbourne, mate. How do you say it? Melbourne. 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 <laughs> Whatever. Damn right. You were saying. Just it's kidding. all right. <laughs> I like the beard, man. Looking good. Thanks. You know, it's easier than shaving, so... How how's uh let's start let's get into a serious subject. I know we had a few serious subjects, then we got off joking a little bit, but let's get into the real serious nitty gritty. How do you feel about being blessed with the good hairline and me getting the shaft? You know, I don't I don't believe in fates or um <coughs> yeah, uh divine intervention or anything like that. I don't believe that in, in it at all. <laughs> actually. But um I'm just gonna have to say that Jesus gave me this and he cursed you. <laughs> it's weird because we have the same exact mom, the same exact dad, except my hairline looks like a question mark, and yours is like as square as can be. And your hair looks solid. It's like you shampooed it. What'd you do when you're younger? I didn't use shampoo or conditioner that much. Maybe that's why. I question this all the time. What do you got any tips? What did you do? I don't even think I realized conditioner existed for half my life. Um, <laughs> So that can't be it. <laughs> um, you know, it just comes back to that Jesus of Nazareth again, you know? <laughs> did you brush yeah. your hair? Did you brush your hair a lot as a kid? Brushes? I don't even know if I knew those existed for my life either. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I don't get it. I'm trying to figure it out. Like, doesn't make, look at that thing. It's glorious. It looks like a lion's mane. Can you just shake your head? I know people can't see it, but just shake it. Just for me. That's what I would look like if I could do that. I've never been able to do that. You lucky son of a bitch. Yeah, I pretty much maintain the same hair for, like, ever. Do you go to bed at night and just thank Jesus, pray to Jesus about that hairline? Well, not any Jesus. Pretty much nine pound, eight ounce baby Jesus, my favorite Jesus. <laughs> I'd also like to thank my sponsors today, uh, Doritos and Taco Bell. If you don't chew Big Red, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh... Sam, do you remember that time when I begged you to borrow your World Industries board and then I snapped it? No, I don't remember that at all. I don't remember my flame boy drinking a martini on a uh, beach uh, board at all. <laughs> but I hung on my wall and I worked for like hundreds of hours raking leaves to gain, hanging out on my wall, hoping one day I'd earn my way up to get some trucks and some wheels and bearings. I don't remember at all. <laughs> wow, that sounded a little bitter. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry? Can, is it too late to apologize? Well, you know, your claim is that you've given me hundreds of boards and shoes and clothes and bearings and whatever, whatsoever. But, you know, you can't really restore a child's dreams, can you now? <laughs> I know that first, first one hurts. I know, I know, I know. Sorry about that. Hey, uh, actually, while I got you on the podcast, do you, uh, you want to say hi to anybody? Maybe maybe Corey uh, Silva, maybe some of the Solstice guys, anybody you want to say hi to? Uh, I'd like to say hi to um, Riding a Horse Naked, Corey Sylvia. Yes. I'd like to um, say hi to the Telly Burger, uh, Jeff Talisbanic. Genius. I would like to thank 
um, the walrus or Mike Hathaway? <laughs> Hell yeah. We just saw Mike Hathaway and Jeff Telsmanic on AIN Cali Trippin. Excellent. Yeah, they both, Mike flew out from Florida just to get a hotel and rent a car and come skate with us. And Jeff came down from SF to at San Diego and stayed with Mike and they just met up every day and we went skating and all types of awesome stuff. Wow, that just, that just made the tour in my mind at least ten times better. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, uh, it was so cool, man. It was so rad. It was like I had my my posse, my old posse back. You know what I mean? And and my new mm. posse, and we're in new lands, and we're shredding. It was awesome. I've got one more shout out, please. Uh, to Chris Fro of Prosberry. Um, he's a you know local working class hero. Uh, he's got a beautiful kid and uh, working alongside the highways, so. Make sure um, you shut off your high beams next time you're on the highway. <laughs> yeah, I'll make sure I uh, tag Fro and Corey and everybody in this so they'll know to to give it a listen. I'm sure once they see it, see that you're on, they're going to tune in anyways, but uh, it's awesome. Um, so what's the rest of your day looking like after your uh, your amazing podcast with me? <laughs> um, I'll probably get some grub. Is that what you guys eat out there? Actual grubs? Grubs, yep. So when it rains, as it's raining today, you know, they pop up and you just snatch them. Very Australian of you. Thank you, thank you. I've got a few more graphics and I've got a couple updates to do. Um, I've, I've started a new um, campaign called Student Control. Uh, basically, the idea is that um, to give high school students more of a voice so that they can um, not be taken advantage of of so much in in school. <laughs> awesome. So like it gets like what's an example of that? Have you had any? Or are you still developing it now? Well, it's rather new. I mean, it's it's uh just launched uh this month, uh at the beginning of the month. But um before that, um we had Freeling New School, which Freeling is our little town and it's a whole bunch of high school students who skateboard and scooter and also go to high school and for example, if there's a teacher Who's, who's quite awful and whatnot, you know, we can um, get together and, you know, make a petition to let her know that she's awful and let the principal know she's awful. We can do other things like in Australia, everyone has to wear uniforms. It's not just the private school kids, but it's illegal to not allow them to wear, say, like a pin or badge on their uniform. So, you know, those those small sorts of things to let them know that, you know, people are still human. <laughs> yeah. And also just breaking that barrier of that idea of, you know, youth and adults and having real conversations and that is a form of education which school doesn't really allow. Yeah, I I completely agree, man. If the education system out there is anything like American America, I feel like they're missing so much stuff that they could actually educate kids. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's insane. I feel like it's like it's almost doesn't even I don't know I think about school and I think about how so all the stuff I've used in my life they've never taught me I've never learned anything in school that has actually helped me uh, besides basic reading and, and math you know what I mean yeah and unfortunately it doesn't get much better in university I can tell you <laughs> which is college right you guys just call it university yeah that's right yeah it's kind of similar yeah so it's I mean you have a lot more leeway you don't have to go to classes and and so on. But um, they're not really teaching you anything. 
It's kind of like they view the mind as kind of a bank, and they're just trying to deposit knowledge into it by opening up your head and putting it in. But unfortunately, education doesn't work that way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's That's... much more of a, a creative, idiosyncratic, you know, interest-led sort of thing. <laughs> Absolutely, you nailed it. I couldn't have said it better than that. That was perfect. But, but because, you know, education so attached to, you know, the economy and getting a job, they think that they can just treat it like they treat everything, you know? Yeah, absolutely. How's a, how's a co-op coffee shop? Uh, co-op coffee shop is good. Um, worked on it for a good year and a half, opened it up, and uh, then after several months I pulled out to start teaching, and uh, that was the plan. Can't... I can't do both at the same time because it's so, so much time. <laughs> yeah, it was time-consuming, imagine. But um, the important part is that um, a cooperative business uh, can and does exist, and it's all around the world, and, um, yeah, that's how I want to see the economy go. Yeah, where it takes care of, you know, more people rather than just a few people. Explain that. Ex- explain the the foundation for the co-op coffee shop. Did the owners work there? Is that what the deal is? So it's the same that I want to see in a school. Is essentially the workers own the business and they decide on what happens in the business. You know what's going to be sold and so on, and you know what shifts are they going to work and things like that. And the same I want to see in a school is that the students will run the school. They'll make the decisions that are in their best interest for them to learn. Um, a little off the subject, but you kind of reminded me of this. How do you feel about, I don't know what Australia does for voting. I'm, I'm assuming they just do the same as the United States. A little bit different. Um, how do you feel about that? And do you, because you're talking about co-op and people kind of owning, how do you feel about like um, voting on the internet or anything like that? Like how could we fix the voting system in your opinion or is there anything we could do different or I'm curious i mean a great a great start in any country would be to have just a direct vote you know one person one vote but that's not the case in the united states you have things like electoral colleges and in australia we have things like preferential voting um so that would be a, a decent start and also another very important thing is that to do away with citizens united in the united states which allowed um, unrestricted campaign donations from corporations, which has been devastating, Um, which means... Because the way that elections actually work is that essentially one dollar is, you know, one person, if you will, Um, and whoever has the most dollars has the most votes. So if you allow unrestricted access through money, then you're going to have a very undemocratic system. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Whoever has the most... Because we already established in America that if you can be the most corrupt and evil, you can gain the most shekels. <laughs> you're just, if you don't care about human life and, and people's uh, well-being, you could gain a big wealth in America. Yeah. There's a great theory called the investment theory of politics. It's exactly what it sounds like, but it basically it's saying that the party competition system that we have is very expensive and burdensome. So only a few people can do it, these big giant parties. And that essentially the two parties, the Democrats and Republicans, represent different economic interests. So the Democrats, they 
are more representative of international capital. So businesses which, you know, own things overseas or big finance or whatever. And the Republicans are more representative of labor-intensive industries. Um, so it makes sense why the Republicans, you know, hate unions, which help people get more workplace rights, and why Democrats are very similar to Republicans in that they, you know, don't mind going to war so much. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be a very common theme. <laughs> But the important part is the economics of it and that, you know, most of us, you know, don't have as much money. That, that comes back to that inequality question, you know, where what is it, you know, the top 1% own something like 40% of the economy, of the wealth in the, in the United States. Yeah, that's extreme. It's beyond Indeed. extreme. Indeed. Um, <sighs> a little off the subject, and on my podcast, I, I like to jump around. Um, I know you have a skate park right near you, man. A little outdoor park. Yeah, I can see it from my house. How amazing is that? I'm living yeah. the dream. That is epic. What's the place all about? What's it got? Um, it's got quarters on one side, bank ramps on the other, pyramid in the middle with a rail. Um, on flat we got two different height uh, flat bars. So funs galore. So how big are the quarter pipes, though? Four feet and. Five feet. How often do you get a shred there? Uh, at least three or four times a week. Oh, that's awesome. You got a whole posse? Got a posse. That's awesome. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I'm actually, uh, and I know that you're waiting on boards for me, and I'm waiting on boards for my manufacturer, but I haven't forgot, just so you know. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah, I have not forgotten. I what I, What I did was... For a long time, I was allowing my manufacturer to do my shipping for me, but uh, mm. I'm very, uh, I'm very, uh, I want to make sure I can do it because I'm just really excited and like to get shit done on time. So I got a warehouse spot um, where I work. Um, I'm gonna store all the product there, and uh, they have everything that I could possibly need. So shipping five days a week, and just room for growth and room to store everything. So uh, at the moment, I have my manufacturing manufacturer uh pressing all the boards and shipping them to me so once they get to me i will be shipping you boards for australia boy that sounds awesome you know i can't wait to introduce all i need to uh south australia so cool it's kind of trippy but very very cool <laughs> yeah. cool man well uh i guess uh if people wanted to reach you and uh how could they reach you? I, if anyone's listening and they just want to follow up on any of the things we're talking about, is there any social media where they could, uh, like not your email, but is there anywhere they could contact you? Like, I don't know, Instagram, Facebook, or any of that? Probably best off going to Twitter or Instagram. I mostly just keep Facebook for people I know. But if you know me, shoot me a Facebook request. <laughs> Hell yeah, hook them up. <laughs> so you're on Twitter? I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. What's the name? Is it just your name? Yeah, it's just my name. Cool, just Sam Shetley. Yep. Cool, man. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about or anything that uh, I uh, jarred loose in your head that you feel like speaking on? You got an audience. <laughs> Not so much. I'm just happy to talk to you, man. It's been it's been a minute, and um, yeah, it's good. I've been listening to your podcast, and it's good to uh, get a chance to come on and uh, see what it's all about. Yeah. I know we got a little bit different view of the of technology, <laughs> but uh, 
yeah, yeah, it's definitely a good thing. So thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries, Sam. And actually, uh, I don't think we have that much of a difference in view and technology. I just, I just, I just know how much like someone like me when I when I can build like a network like a podcast or um, my Facebook and the if I can have like influence and share stuff with a uh, audience and I'm I'm nowhere near as educated or I don't have the same experiences as you and I see the value in the experiences you have and the education you have and that's why I'm just adamant adamant about you sharing it on a massive level. <laughs> I know you you localize, but I want it, I want you to share it with everyone. And I think like using our technology and the things of today, like podcasts and just doing it, can't hurt, you know. And even if you did one once a week, even if it was just an hour with Sam and you just talk about stuff that you care about, it would allow me to share it, you know. Or you're just gonna have to keep coming on my podcast now that I got Skype going. And <laughs> we'll just have to have you on like a, a reoccurring uh, guest, like Westgate or uh, or Barley, because. I have a few guests that I have come on like every every so often and we just go into it about stuff. Yeah, yeah. Sounds great. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for coming on. And uh, I got some good news, though. Uh, Susky's going to come on the podcast this week, so you got that episode to look forward to. Uh, amazing. I can't wait. Hey. Susky, good. Anything you want me to ask him? What, what's, he, um, what's the secret to his beard? <laughs> that is a solid <laughs> question, and I will make sure to ask He's that one. Did you he was young? Because, like, I don't know. I didn't do that. <laughs> All right, Sammy, I love you, man, and thank you for coming on the podcast. And uh, as soon as this is uh, online, I'll uh, send you an email with all the links and everything so you can share it as well with with your community of people and whoever you want to share with. All right, man, I love you too, and uh, more than appreciate it. And uh, we'll chat off offline too. <laughs> yeah, all right. Thanks for listening, guys, and please check out All I Need Skateboards. Uh, you can go to allineedskate.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as All I Need Skate. So you can do Instagram at All I Need Skate, and same with Twitter, and same with uh, Facebook. And uh, we got Nick Dompierre Guest Pro Model Board out now. We got our collab with Narragansett Beer um, Skateboard out as well. And socks, the boot. We got five different colors of our new beanies. Everything's going to be available to shops real soon. Um, you can check out the online store as well. Um, and also check out AIN Cali Trippin hashtag. We just went to California for two weeks and we've been putting out episodes of our trip. So check that out. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. And uh, I'm really psyched on this episode. Later, guys. On, brothers and sisters. Liberation is near. It's almost time. Experience the train. Oh, oh, oh. Hop the board. Come on. Experience rocking with the reflection. E turn on.